On the front end, I want to make a couple of statements. One, I promise this will be way shorter than the normal Sunday morning. Every year I say that, and people look at me like they don't believe it, but every year we get through way earlier than you would think. And so uh, I promise to do that, too. It might be a little rambunctious in here. We have little ones who aren't used to sitting uh, through things this time of night like this. And uh, let me tell you that just like it really wasn't quiet, we're going to sing later, Silent Night. Uh, and it was silent in so many ways as the world stood still to watch and the angels and the heavens and all just gathered to see this birth of the newborn Christ. But it was not quiet in that manger. And it was not quiet in the city. And it will not be quiet in here, I promise you. <laughs> so it's okay. And we welcome that as we gather as a family, as a faith family. And I've been talking through, walking through, preaching through a series about people that we might find ourselves being surprised at once we know more about their lives in the genealogy of Jesus. Today's one that you won't be surprised about, but you might be surprised about something in his life and why he's uh, seen uh, in some as being lesser and by others as being greater. Uh, but the truth is, is that he's not much different than you or me, especially this particular person that we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bibles and would like to or on your phones, your tablets, or uh, just on the screens. We'll have Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It's the passage that was read for the Christ candle. And um, I'm going to read it once more, and then I will just unpack it with three major pieces of it as we go through it. And I hope that it helps prepare our hearts for this moment of worship that tomorrow is intended to be. So if you would, let me read it, then I'll pray for us, and then we'll unpack it together. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, by the way, that it's like engagement, but it's more. It's, you're practically married at that point, but without the intimate relations. Okay, so you are betrothed. It would take a decree of divorce to separate at this point. When, Mary, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just man, or another word might be being a righteous man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. That's what that name Jesus means, Yeshua, from where we get the name Joshua, which means God saves, and that he has come himself to save us from our sins. 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. A quick note on that too, that's out of Isaiah, and it was a prophecy that was fulfilled in part in that day even by a young woman, but not in its totality because that word can mean a couple different things. We see the total fulfillment come to be in Mary and in Jesus. And this is not abnormal in prophecies to have some sense of fulfillment and then typology of the greater fulfillment to come in the Christ. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not it means biblically, knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we are broken people, 
who've put on like we are all together, and we have it all down pat, and that everything is great and fine and dandy, but Lord, you know in many ways in our lives it is not. So we sit and gather before you tonight in a way that we are saying to you, we know that we need your son, Jesus. We need him just as much today as the first day we met him. So Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus 2,000 years ago to become one of us. And we thank you for sending him to Calvary on our behalf to take our sins upon his shoulders that we might be redeemed, and we might be sacrificed for by the perfect sacrifice who is good and sinless, that is Jesus, your son. And we thank you for raising him from the dead And we thank you for the promise that you will send him back for us one day. Lord, until then, we put our hope in you as he is becoming our peace. And we know how to love because of the love that you've shown us in him. And Lord, we have faith in you because you first have given us us that faith as a gift. And we thank you for it. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. We ask that he will be glorified this evening. In his name we pray, amen. Let's try to, uh, I get messed up my words pretty easily, especially this late in the evening when I've been preparing for several days for Christmas. Anybody else feel pretty exhausted? Anybody? Okay. Those that didn't raise their hands probably don't have little children at home still. So I get it. So pray for the rest of us. Let's try to empathize with Joseph here for just a moment as we go back and see verses 18 and 19. Look at it. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, by the way, this would have meant for her that she could have been stoned. Uh, Likely, though, that with Joseph's desire, you could also just have a decree of divorce, and it would just be a black stain on you at that point, a big one, even for Joseph. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, going to do the right thing here. And the right thing, by the way, here for him is to divorce her, as far as the word across the land would have been. It wouldn't have been to stay with her because that would have been a defilement. And so he would have been encouraged if it had gotten out for him to do that. And so he's trying to do the right thing, which is really not the right thing. We know that because why? Because God has shown us over and over again that although we have adulterous hearts, I don't just mean in the sexual realm, I don't mean with other men or women. I'm talking about that we stray from relationship with God and put our hope in other false gods continually, that our hearts are factory makers of idols, right? That because we are like that, we can see that he has continually chased us down, and so we know that his will is not really for divorce. In fact, Jesus tells us that. He says that that because of our hardness of heart, he's given it. But the desire is to prove over and over again that we continually chase down one another in love and in grace and pursue one another like God continues to pursue us. And if we do make the mistake of divorce, we do have something we can't overcome and that happens, there's always grace. Grace in the Lord. We are not perfect, only the Christ is. But Joseph here is a good guy though. He says he's a just man and unwilling to put her to shame or public disrepute. So it resolved... He's going to go to divorce her quietly. You can imagine Joseph is anticipating this fantastic moment, right? I just had a young guy that was in my youth group when I took my first full-time job in ministry. He's now on staff at a church in Tuscaloosa. And uh, he just got married a few months ago. And I was talking to him. The first time I've seen him was the other day. And he was so excited about being married, right? Just kind of beaming. You can tell when somebody just got married, right? You can see it all over him. 
And uh, he was so excited about it because it's something to be excited about. And before that, he was anticipating it, and it was, it was great and exciting and a lot of emotions overwhelming him and his future bride. And Joseph surely had the same things going on here. He might have been a, quite a bit older than her. That would have been normal back in those days. She was probably young, maybe even a young teenager. Uh, so hard to imagine what those hormones were doing in her mind and heart, right? And then he looks up, and all of a sudden, she's pregnant. And he finds that out. That revelation would have probably destroyed him in many levels. For what it meant for his beloved that he was betrothed to, beginning to know and fall in love with, to his family, to his future, to how people viewed him in the community, it would have been a major setback. He must have experienced great pains of disappointment, in some sense rejection, thinking his wife had stepped out on him, sadness, loneliness, things we've all experienced in our lives. We can relate to this guy. He most assuredly felt shame. And the Bible here even tells us, the angel says, don't fear marrying her. So he was afraid to move forward with her, knowing what it might mean for him to be the guy whose wife had stepped out on him before they were even officially married. If it got out that she was pregnant before. He believed the righteous thing to do was to step away from her and do so quietly. And even in that inner struggle, we see this guy being so kind and caring for this woman. He wants to make sure she's not publicly shamed or even worse, maybe stoned to death. He wants to do it quietly. I mean, I think we can all relate to this guy. I think every one of us in this room can relate to this guy. He's a good guy. Most of us think we're pretty good guys or gals, right? We like to think of ourselves that way, trying to do the right thing, thinking we know what is the right thing to do, thinking we know what's best. But then God interrupts his life in that moment and changes his life trajectory immediately and forever. God does this on a regular basis in the scriptures. And I think that as we lean into the Holy Spirit, God does the same thing in our lives. Look at verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. At some points in our lives, just like Joseph, we need divine intervention to redirect us. And it's not always fun. It surely wasn't fun for him to think about doing this. And it's not always easy because you know it wasn't easy to endure what would have been ridicule or the, the looks, the glances, the conversations that stop when you walk in the room, the people that look at you like you're lesser or that you're unworthy. We know it would not have been easy, but when divine intervention happens in our lives, it's time for us to turn and do whatever the Lord says. And I believe you know what that means as a believer in Christ if you put your hope and faith in Him. And tonight, you might feel as though you've got it all figured out and the life is all planned out and you know what's going to happen next, you know what the right thing is, but God is the only truly all-knowing one. And he knows all things. And he knew at this point, as it's talked about in Galatians, that it was in the fullness of time, in the right moment, God sent forth Jesus to become one of us, the Son of God to become a man also. And he's brought you here tonight to hear this message because maybe you need a divine intervention of your own. Maybe you have it figured out in your mind. You know what it should look like. But I'm telling you that the only one who really knows is the one who's sovereign over all things, the Lord God Almighty himself. And if you felt like you had it figured out and sometimes you've been wrong and you've made mistakes and you've erred on the side of caution or on the side of 
going too fast and you've made those mistakes like Joseph almost made here, if so, tonight you're, you are in good company with us. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have had broken moments. And our good and gracious Heavenly Father is in the business of divinely intervening in our lives exactly when we need it, especially for the saving of our souls, for the changing of our lives at any moment in that lifetime, and even for changing our minds when the moment is just right. So I encourage you tonight, as you prepare to spend time with your families and to open presents and have all this great time, that you would lean into him and listen to what he has to say. Because in the silence of this evening, he might speak something to you that could be life-changing. We need to lean into the Holy Spirit and listen for the Lord. It'll be in, in congruence with the scriptures where it isn't true. Maybe it's something he's been speaking to you and you haven't been ready to listen. Maybe it's something that you've been unwilling to do because it's going to be too hard. Tonight's the night to listen to him, to thank him, to say, whatever you want, Lord, that's what I'll do. Lastly, I don't know about you, but I need this reminder often. And as church people, I think you might could need this reminder too, because you're pretty good people. You know, I like all of you. I love almost all of you. I don't know all of you completely, but you're pretty good folks. I'm glad and blessed that God has called me here and to be surrounded by you tonight. It's an honor. You're good folks, but even good folks, in our righteousness, our righteousness is not always as righteous as we think it is. We need to be reminded of that. You and I need Jesus just as much in every way as the first time we met him years ago. Even in our righteousness, we can make mistakes and even do things wrong, and that's okay because that means we're in good company. Just like the others we've looked at with David with Tamar, with Abraham, to thank God that even though we might be good people, we still need saving from our good intentions, and God has provided a way for that in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior, whom he sent. Look at verse 21. And he, here, verse 21, he says to him, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. It doesn't say he will save the lot. It says he will save his people. That means even those who think they're righteous already. We all need saving, and he came to do the saving, and he will save us from our sins. That's why he's called Jesus. So when we celebrate and we talk about little baby Jesus, we also remember that's the same Jesus that went to the cross at Calvary to save us from our sins. No matter how good we think we are, we're never good enough to the standard that is perfection that God has set in his own character, but Jesus was good enough for us. And Jesus is so great that he didn't need to do anything to, to make up for any deficiencies in himself. Although fully God, fully man, did not make any of those mistakes that we've made, did not err, did not fail to do what should be done. Instead, everything perfectly for his Father's glory. Not just doing the right thing, but doing it all for the glory of his Father. That's the one who came as a little one in a manger, who grew up to live the life we could not live of perfection and die the death that we deserve under condemnation but then raised himself up out of the grave in all power and all glory and now resides at the right hand of the Father until he comes to take us home. This is the one whom we worship now and always. This is the one of whom we talk about for the Christmas story. God loves us that much that he would send his one and only perfect son to go through all that to bring us home with him, to take all the broken and make it unbroken, to take all the destroyed and make it right, including you and me.
Maybe you need to stop for a moment tonight and ask God, Father, what's your desire for my life in this moment or with this thing or in this relationship? Maybe you need to take that time tonight in the silence and prepare him room to speak to you and then for us to respond in obedience immediately. That's our calling, to walk in the presence of the Lord and be with him forever. For he said, I will be your God. All throughout scripture, I will be your God. You'll be my people and I will walk among you. That's what he wants from us, to be with him in step with him. And maybe some of you can relate to the suffering of Joseph we talked about and surely the stuff they probably faced before they left and went to Bethlehem in ways that you can't even articulate in this moment. Maybe you've suffered this year through things. Maybe you're suffering right now through some things. And there may not be enough words to describe that suffering. I mean, I think most of the people in our church have been through some type of suffering this year. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what suffering you have been through or are going through now, you can rest assured that God did not just send his son to save us from our sins one day in the future. He sent him to be with us now. But he says right here, look at verses 22 and 23. But when he heard, sorry, wrong place. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus, the Christ, the one who died for our sins. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, God was with us in the garden, and we sinned and messed up that relationship. And he spent the rest of this timeline that we know is our history bringing everything back to the perfect moment to send Jesus to bring us back into relationship with him. He resided with the people in the tabernacle after he brought him out of Egypt, but they couldn't get close. Only Moses could have had an intermediary. And then it, they, they worshiped in the temple in the same way when the temple was built. They had an intermediary. It's made to go in for them and to appease God's wrath. But when Jesus came, he was the one who grew up to be the one that when he died, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, once and for all, the separation, the curtain was torn in two, and now the Holy of Holies, where God had resided with men, was now opened up so that we could be with him through Christ, our blessed intermediary. And now he's gone to prepare a place for us, and he sent his Holy Spirit to reside in us so that now we are where God tabernacles in this land. We are the place. So when you go home tonight, tomorrow, and you are around family and friends, you're the place where people can meet God because God has blessed you with his presence right even now. God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus. And what an honor. What a blessing to be emissaries of the king. Not only that, sons and daughters of the king, never without him, even in our suffering, held together by his gracious hands. Tonight, we prepare our hearts to celebrate the coming of that king and his second coming the baby who became our sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, who then became the King of kings and Lord of lords, who one day will return as king to take us home. That's the king we worship even now. So let us prepare our hearts in that way. And remember, no matter what your situation, in Christ we are in good company. And let us take that and bring as many more into it as we possibly can this season when everybody's thinking about Jesus. Father, we need your grace your kindness, and your goodness. I pray that you would help us, that you would lead our hearts to you, that you would open up opportunities for us to speak of your greatness and your glory as we surround ourselves with family over the next several days. 
And I ask, Lord, that you would be glorified in our actions, in our thoughts, in our deeds, in our words. Mostly, Lord, I pray that you would make your presence known in a way we cannot deny, that we would enjoy you, that you would form us more into the person of your son, Jesus, that we were created in his image, and that you would help us to do exactly what he did, to show grace and mercy and to give hope, which alone can be found in Jesus the Christ the one who died for our sins, Emmanuel, God with us. We ask that all in Jesus' name. Amen.